Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode of DX Button. My name, I'm Alejandro, one of your co-hosts, and with me is my lovely, non-shared, cool shared wearing. Paul, nice to see you. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Yeah, no, no cool game shared this time, Paul. <laughs> Not this time. Um, I, I went and picked up uh, a nice plain shirt that fits me a little better, and uh, I decided to wear it today. Makes sense. I wish I had some... Uh, cool gaming shirts i actually went to pass through a store and one of our malls that had a bunch of like mario sonic like all gaming related uh shirts i was like should i get one of those maybe someday paul have you been <laughs> i've been all right um it's it's been an interesting week for gaming this that's absolutely for sure so i've been uh riding the highs and lows of this roller coaster that we call social media yeah um alejandro uh, how have you been you've been doing anything different um same old same old uh going on walks and i actually this time we're recording way earlier than i did last week so i might go on my walk after this so then other than that just kicking around playing some games reading the news yeah so <laughs> so before, before the news yeah before the news paul what have you been playing <laughs> i've been playing a couple of things actually so i got my switch fixed for uh, first of all so i did get to play some skyward sword um my thoughts on it i think you and i have already talked about it somewhat but i think that um it's like a two steps forward, one step back situation. It's a mm -hmm. huge improvement, but I can also see a lot of cracks where they could have added some quality of life in the way of the camera, infamous camera system, like what uh, you and I talked about. Just flip-flopping the ability to move the right stick like every other game at this point, rather mm -hmm. than holding the left trigger and um, or shoulder button and then using the right stick. Besides that, I'm loving it. It was still one of my favorite stories of the Legend of Zelda franchise, for mm -hmm. sure. I love the characters, and I love the art style, for sure. So it also made me very happy that I have an easily accessible mode of ex having family experience that in the future, whether it be my wife or whoever future kids come along one day. Um, but yeah, I, I've been enjoying that. The next thing I played was an indie game called Bomber Crew. Just like, mm -hmm. um, it's uh, imagine like a cutaway of a World War II bomber and you have to manage all of your crew within it to like, oh, there's a fire on the engine. You got to tell somebody to go outside of it. You got to refill the guns. Um, you just got to make sure everything's working in tandem and it is brutal to manage. <laughs> um, it is so hard. So I, I might've uh, actually burnt out myself on that one, but it was like a dollar uh, on sale. So I picked it up. And then lastly, I went back to the battlefield franchise. Nice. Which um, one? Uh, four and five actually. So okay. I, I played four first, uh, re-downloaded that because it has a, a server browser. So people are actually able to find games in that one still. Mm -hmm. And um, it's surprisingly, I, would, I wouldn't say packed, but you can find full games of Conquest and Rush, which is like really all anyone cares about anyway. And um, I, that was a lot of fun. I can see how they've added quality of life after that point, but just the ability to have all of those attachments, the sheer vastness of weaponry that and options that give you um are unparalleled so i'm glad that they're going back to like the pseudo modern day also slightly futuristic um and then for five 
um, some of my friends were playing it, and we all had a good rip roaring time of absolute chaos on Conquest, and mm-hmm. um, it's it's still got a lot of problems, but I'm glad that I'm coming back to it on a positive note because uh, overall, it's just getting me excited for the next one coming in October. Yeah, 2042. Yeah, yeah. To me, I kept playing Skyward Sword also. I finally reached the point where you start backtracking to the old areas after going through the three things. So now slowly I'm remembering why it's my least favorite. So I kind of like put it down to play the other ones because I remember I told you that I was kind of playing through the old ones also because I was on the Zelda kick. In that time, like when I put Skyward Sword down, just as I mentalized myself that have to go back to the old areas again. And I know the swimming part is coming and I'm dreading it. Um, I replayed Ocarina of Time and finished Ocarina of Time. And I finally like scratched my itch and touched Wind Waker again, the GameCube version. And I stopped by the time that you reached Dragon Roost Island because I, I just kind of wanted to, because I've been wanting to like re-experience Wind Waker, but Wind Waker is also the interesting one that I know that there's a very grindy part that's very far up that I don't want to kind of yeah. get down the rabbit hole of that Triforce quest. But I kind of wanted to satiate my desire to play Wind Waker because I'm yeah. still holding on the hope that we're going to get the updated version that people got in the Wii U on Switch. So sure. I was like, if I'm going to replay it, I want to replay it in the... Um, in its um, original state, or no, not original state because that would be GameCube. I want to play it in its updated, streamlined, better quality oh, okay. of life style mean. game because mm-hmm. it deserves it. Because my nostalgia, like I always say, that Wind Waker is my favorite, but I realize I've only beaten it once compared to other Zelda's because yeah. of that Triforce quest. But its highs are so imprinted in my mind. It's music, just the music. When you're like, when you start riding the boat, it's like, mm-hmm. it has this whimsical sense of adventure and joy. When it goes like, that's that soundtrack's so memorable. And the visuals, even on GameCube, like with my Wii plugged in with component cables, the green, blue, red cables, that I don't know if you remember those. Oh, yeah. That predated uh, HDMI. It somehow holds up, even though, I, even though there's an HD version that looks better. Like the GameCube version actually holds up so well. So... I scratched that itch, and then I also moved into Twilight Princess on Wii, another game that got its HD uh, remaster on the Wii U. And I came in with the hot take yesterday that I think Twilight Princess is pound for pound the best Zelda game in that style. Like in the classic, uh, the style that was birthed in Ocarina of Time mm-hmm. onwards, like and that ended with Skyward Sword. And kind of like what I realized is that Especially because I remember back in the day when our friend PJ let me borrow his Wii U when we were back in college, and I replayed the and I actually replayed Twilight Princess HD there, and it's a game that required such little improvements because it didn't really need it. It yeah. didn't have grindy steps. It didn't have bad controls, aka like Skyward Sword that needed that needed to be retouched. Like it made me realize that. In what that game lacks in like in the whimsical or in something that imprints itself in your brain, like an amazing story like Skyward Sword, the um whatchamacallit, the uh, incredible world of exploration. Did something fall there? 
<laughs> no, it's just like for whatever reason, it's picking up something right here, but there's uh-huh. nothing there. So okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So or like when you go to Breath of the Wild, that it's defined by its amazing sandbox and its open world and its um, and its sense of discovery, or Wind Waker's art style and its music and all that. All those three games, they have those amazing touchstones, but then you can counter them with like, man, the weapon durability on Breath of the Wild, or man, the dungeons suck in this game. If they're if they're not shrines, the shrines are good. Man, the story is like it's barely even here. You have to kind of find it. It's or then you go to Skyward Sword. Yeah, this has an amazing story. The characterization of Zelda and Link is so good. Gruz is amazing. Ah, oh, the effing dowsing. My God, the backtracking. God damn it, these controllers. Ah, this combat. Like, why do they keep blocking me? And like, or Wind Waker. God damn it, the Triforce quest. Like, he has all those things. And then when I think about Twilight Princess, I'm like, what does it have that it's bad? And the only thing that I can really think of is that the art style, this day and age, is like, may look a little too tad generic because it's aping more dark fantasy. It's like, very it, washed out. Yeah, it's very washed out, and it's and it's soundtrack. I will say, like, it's probably the only game that doesn't ha- have a song that's hummable, like the other ones. Like, I can think that's of true. Wind Waker, and I can say, dun, 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 dun. I can think of yeah. uh, one of the wolf songs that they had. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. But where did it come from? Uh, yeah. Ocarina of Time and Oca- Ocarina of Time. Like that soundtrack is so memorable. Like you can think. You can immediately remember walking through Hyrule Field. You can immediately remember the Kakariko Village song. You can sell the lullaby. Like, all of that. And Twilight Princess doesn't have that. But when it comes to gameplay design, other than unless you absolutely hate, and I mean hate motion controls because of the Wii version, where to combat, you have to, like, do this. I literally, mm-hmm. the combat, I don't barely do this. I just shake it. And it works. And to really? me, I, yeah, and it works. Instead of having to be intentional about where you move it, in concept, it's cool that Skyward Sword actually made, actually made back then a system that required you to actually mimic the movement. Which I'm I would a, say still worked better than any Kinect or PlayStation move. Oh, oh yes, exactly. And I'm a lazy-ass gamer. That's my problem, that I'm like, I want as less friction as possible. Somehow, I think, like because I'm playing the Wii version, I wish I had. I still had my GameCube version. I kind of gave it away because back in the day, I was like, I have the Wii version. That's supposedly the better version. You had the GameCube version. And then looking back, I'm like, I was a fool. I should have kept the GameCube version because it's just such so, so traditional. But in motion controls, I just prefer Twilight Princess over um, over the motion controls of Skyward Sword because they get too overbearing. Oh, how to throw a bomb. Pike, you have to hold the controller up and then put it there. Or if you want yeah. to roll it, you have to like put it down and mm-hmm. move it. And oh, the the bug, one of the items that you get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to like control it like this, and and then of course the okay, it's time to calibrate the controller. You have to hold the Wii mode. You have to hold it like straight to for it to be recalibrated on top of the button that lets you recalibrate to the center. It's um for all like that that the technology that they added to make the concept of moving your soul cooler. It just made, especially for the lazy gamers like I am, like I, that I just want to have fun and think about it less. It's somehow the the Twilight Princess shakiness. Of just, it's works better for me. And the uh, I feel it's also the best paced 
Zelda game when it comes to uh, the forward momentum that you get in that game because there's so little backtracking and the minimal backtracking there is is so meaningful. Like early on, like you go to Kakariko Village and then you have to climb to the Gorons and then the Gorons kind of push you out and then you have to kind of find the iron boots that you're given back in Northern Village. So it's like, okay, you have to like go back. And it's a, before you even think, oh, this is going to be a long trek back home, you get a Pona just like that. And then you reach you reach Orden Village like in one minute, two minute stops, maybe. And there's just a lot of forward momentum and even things that because I know so many people are like, why do you complain about dousing in Skyward Sword? There's the quest where you have to play as Wolf Link and find the things of light. It only happens three times. The things of light that that the the insects of light that you have, and it, they're all marked in the map. You don't have to be being in first person, moving your controller like a native, waiting for a circle to keep getting bigger, and not knowing if you're in the right area and having to like find ways to go around. Like, and it doesn't happen the entire game. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's so frictionless, and its dungeon design is so amazing. Like it, like just I love the forest temple of that game, especially how it dovetails with you saving monkeys, and um, like yeah, it, yeah it, it, that's the thing. Like it's. Uh, Twilight Princess is like so it was billed as the darkest of the Zelda games but it has so much funny stuff in it. It has like, some really wacky things. It, like yeah. The clowns, the weird uh-huh. yeah, like the clown the sky <laughs> creatures, um the, the, the baby that runs a store. Mm-hmm. Tell me tell me the lady that and takes care of Ilya, kind of like the sort of love interest that loses her memory in Twilight Princess. Yeah. Uh, like yeah, it, it has enough whimsical in it. And and to me, like I have the thing that I think Ocarina of Time is darker because its art style is so unsettling. It's like mm-hmm. it's so creepy. So I, I think just, that's retroactively yeah. because of the datedness of it. But we talked about that once. Like yeah, low polygons will make something even more terrifying. Yeah, if, 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 I feel like the way the art was made in that game just makes it absolutely creepy even till this day. Like, I played Ocarina of Time and trying to go through the Shadow Temple of that game still give me the creeps. The zombies in Ocarina of Time, when they look at you and they scream and you freeze in place, like, that game still remains creepy to its credit, as dated as it is. And I don't think uh, Twilight Princess has that creepiness factor to it, but it has a really great creepy atmosphere. And it's very Tron-like soundtrack when the Shadow Beasts come in and all of that, so... There's one spot that kind of battles that with um, the Egyptian area with the Redeads will mm-hmm. somewhat have something like that because you can't. I don't think you can kill them either. Um, you just have to get away. But um, yeah, I remember watching one of my friends play through that portion of Ocarina of Time, and I think it was pretty early on still. Mm-hmm. And those things are horrifying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's crazy that. Uh, Zelda was allowed to go that creepy that early, like in the late 90s. And I think that's what made it such a beloved series. It's like, because also Metroid, you can also consider it's also sort of proto-horror, but it's more like an alien style of horror. This one's like in the more fantasy style of horror. So, yeah, I think I'm like, like Twilight, like I played Twilight Princess for like 12 hours now, like, because you can see the, the count. And I just got to the water temple there. So I still have many things. It's a lengthy adventure. But 
because it's so expensive in its scope. Like, I just love the former Memento. I just kind of want to keep going. And I haven't played Twilight Princess now since the HD version in 2017. And I wouldn't mind playing it again if the reports get confirmed that it also comes to Switch because I think that'd be a great one to have in the go for people that want it in the go and yeah. just being, just play it a little with, with as little friction as possible. So that's what I was playing. And also I kept playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I'm still playing mm-hmm. through the through the DLC of that game. And the first three packs are fine. It's like uh, the legacy of the first Blade, kind of like hearing about Darius who ended up being like the first assassin that had a hidden, that had the hidden blade. And I was eh, about the DLC until the very end where it really ties itself to Assassin's Creed Origins in a really cool way. And I was like, huh, okay. This explains some stuff. Kind of like it, 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 it gave me chills. Just like, when you see when things kind of connect in a way, and I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then, but the second set of DLC, the Fate of Atlantis, Paul, if you've ever cared in Assassin's Creed about the first civilization and, or more of that kind of like that meta narrative, Fate of Atlantis is insane. It's like, it's centered on them. And just the volumes that you, you're literally playing the underworld. Like, like in the underworld of Greece, yeah. like, like you go through Elysium in the in the first DLC pack where you find like the wife of Hades, Persephone, and other gods like Hermes and Hecate and Adonis, and how they kind of recontextualize Greek mythology as like these were the first civilization, these were like aliens, and how like everything's contextualized and the biome that you explore, it's incredible. Like the like the actual world that you go around and climb and check all the question marks and all that it was mesmerizing. Hmm. Like it's just a. In fact, it makes sense why the next game of this uh, of these guys was Immortals, because the Immortals world is very like whimsical. Like it has a whimsical to it that is so pretty, that is so evocative that it it feels like their imagination went wild. And you don't only explain, uh, you don't only uh, explore Elysium. That's in the first DLC pack. Then in the second one, that that's where I stopped. You actually go to the Hades underworld. So you're in hell. You interact with Hades, and when when you're like talking with Hades after beating Cerberus, the three the three headed dog, which you shouldn't be surprised you find the Medusa, the Minotaur, the Cyclops, the Sphinx in the main campaign. It's like the Assassin's Creed series has jumped the shark so immensely these days that i'm all for it that's the thing like if i told my 2007 self that played through that original assassin's creed game in jerusalem that 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 series was destined to eventually lead to talk with hades like it's nuts (laughs) and from what i understand because i think you play a little bit through it more than i did valhalla also has similar kinds of shark jumps with mythology yes it was um off the top of my head, I know one of the DLC was involved with the um, like some druids and the pagan, pagan witches, witches. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly like within the main story itself, you can actually go to um, Asgard and you it's like you are one of the gods, um, but the whole thing is framed as you are having a hallucination to gain wisdom in your own journey so you're good doing this but you're also like meeting fenrir and loki and (laughs) thor and all of these characters and like 
have side quests and main quests and you can explore the entire area of Asgard. And I kept thinking, when is this going to end? I'm confused. <laughs> did, did I fall into a separate game on top of this? And yeah. eventually I just left the area and then went back to the regular world because I was just like, that's like a whole thing. Like I could spend 15 hours in by itself. Yeah, uh, that's the idea. That's the fate of Atlantis DLC. That sounds like that. Like, but you still play as your character. You still play as right. either Alexis or Cassandra, whoever you picked up. And it's just so funny that I don't know if it's a lack of ideas or them being like, how colossally stupid can we make things? That they, that that's how they dove in with, with, with this reimagine of the Assassin's Creed series. And to me, it's like, it remains bittersweet because I'm like, is this the last time I'll get to experience it this way? because of the news that we heard two weeks ago where they're trying to take the thing. Still, I I still remain crossing fingers that Odyssey and Valhalla already have like a life service element to it, that this is just what it is and they just keep what it works. Because if it's just like that and they just like make it just that one game and then just like release this DLC pack, because that's the thing with biomes that you explore in like Fate of Atlantis, they're separate completely from Greece that you were in the main game. That's like already such a big ass map that you added so much to it and you can still explore and be like, man, there's more to this because of all the islands and all of that. And right. I, would I, love that. I, f- I like, there's still a part of me that has a soft spot for the series, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, then there's like these two warring sides of me, you know, there's two wolves inside of you, the purest Assassin's Creed fan mm-hmm. and the new fan that wants cool stuff. Yeah. Um, and like, I feel for the developers that were working on this series for so long, they just wanted to do something different. So it's mm-hmm. like, I respect that. That's and why Origins happened. don't have, mm-hmm. yeah. And when they don't have the freedom, uh, they try to make it work in whatever they can't make. And I understand what they did. I still think Assassin's Creed really lent itself to that grounded, like there, yeah, there's some sci-fi elements to it, but mm-hmm. it really is just like a history story almost yeah. with like a couple added characters. I feel it's their own fault though, because remember that Assassin's Creed at one point became an annualized franchise where we got yeah. one every single year. And it should have ended like long before that too. Or have more space, like what they're doing now, they should have done back then. Like, I don't think people would have burned out on the classic formula of one-hit assassinations and the old control scheme and all that that lasted from the first Assassin's Creed all the way to Syndicate. Right. Because by, and, and, and Syndicate's suffering was because Unity suffered. That, yeah. uh, Unity burns so many people because it's, a, it's the same formula even in the new generation. This is broken AF. There has too many bugs. Like, no-face people with, like, the... I would dare say if it had worked in as intended, it could have been very strong. Oh yes, I I loved the core gameplay loop, the the solid free range, um, free running uh, that going free up and running down. that you could like hold X to go up, circle to go down, and he would just he would go through the process that you needed, and that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it I didn't cook, it just, and yeah. they didn't cook it. That was it a problem. Just didn't end up right and like even though they said oh we made combat more difficult like you could crush people once you got it down Mm -hmm. it's like the same thing as mastering any mechanics um i was just wrecking people throughout those mansions and stuff and i still think the heist uh co-op mode 
was fantastic where you had this huge sprawling mansion you had four of you and you said all right get in get what you need and then if you like aggro people if you're stealthy that doesn't matter just get what you need and it was awesome to watch everyone kind of use their own like ways to get through and all that and kind of like you mentioned maybe this infinity one it's trying is gonna try to go back to that concept especially because you're letting it cook yeah because it's 2021 and they're aiming for that until like 2024 so that's like a long time to let to kind of let it cook like unity needed that more time like because if they were not so rigid about we have to get one of these games every year unity could have be so much better and it sucks that syndicate which i actually prefer i prefer its story i prefer its characters i prefer its uh, city like suffered because people were already so burned by by unity that they were like that then they read it as they're just tired of this formula period so let's go back to the drawing board and completely change it oh what's that uh witcher 3 that came out the same year as syndicate was so successful let's copy that then uh two years later um origins came out and had enough it had elements of witcher but it was until odyssey that they went full witcher 3 same with yeah. same with valhalla with like the dialogue even the way the dialogues presented it's straight out of the witcher 3 and i will say what really helped them was the strength of their voice actor the main voice actor they chose both for cassandra and for avor um mm-hmm. both are great but apparently the guy's voice for avor is just fantastic because he's the one that i spent the most time yeah with. yeah the, in, in odyssey i cringe when i hear people went through the whole game with alexios because oh. i'm like why would you do that to yourself with such an aggro like macho like the, uh-huh. how he speaks most of it i was like this i started with alexios because i'm like because everyone kept saying you should play as cassandra i was like i'm gonna be the hipster <laughs> i'm gonna play as alexios oh. and then after a few hours i was like I don't want this. And then I switched uh-huh. to Cassandra and then I switched to Cassandra. And then the more I started like decking her, be like, oh my God, this is the Wonder Woman game I've never had. Like, and the especially now with the Fate of Atlantis DLC that now deals with mythological creatures and characters. And Wonder Woman's about the Greek pantheon, also, if you really think mm-hmm. about it. It's like it's it's all about a Wonder Woman game in name. <laughs> so so yeah, it's I'm gonna keep going because kind of like I mentioned, like the I had heard the Fate of Atlantis DLC was like so important for where then things went in Valhalla. And I'm like, man, now I believe it. And I would even tell and, and the best part is that if you you don't have to grind to get to the Fate of Atlantis DLC, they added a shortcut. They're like, Do you want experience now? Good. Um they did that Go similarly with The Witcher and um to show how fake of a gamer I am, I still never actually did any of the DLC for The Witcher. I Dude, tried I- I tried Heart of Stone and I just couldn't get through it, but um, I'm glad they added that option to, hey, we're going to just Skip. give you mm-hmm. a pre-made character, just jump right in. Which is um, good because because if you want people to experience your thing, the thing, especially when those games are like, especially these new Assassin's Creed games, they're designed for the grind in mind with like the XP grind, especially with Odyssey. That yeah. one was the canary in the coal mine for the... Uh, is Ubisoft exploiting gamers for, for them to like buy the XP booster microtransaction by making them really grindy. Yeah. And I'm not ashamed to say that I did it. I did buy it just to try it. Be like, and it does increase a lot of it, but then it gives you the option to turn it off. So I was like, I'm going to turn this off. They got my $10 anyway, but I want to really see it. And it feels like they tune it. So you just have to see almost everything, which makes sense. It depends if you enjoy the gameplay loop or not, if you want to engage with literally everything, because not every side content 
is um, everything is built the same. That's the beauty of The Witcher. Like, I didn't finish The Witcher, by the way. I, I never, like, finished it. I fell off of it and never was able to go back and knowing that there's a next-gen version coming, I think, this year still. I might um, just wait for there to continue, if it hopefully transfers my saves. And in Witcher, you don't mind doing the side quests because the side quests are even better than the main story. Yeah. Yeah, in Odyssey, it's different. It's, uh, the, there's a lot of side quests of, someone stole this from me, can you get it back? Okay. Oh my god, they killed my family, can you kill them? It's like, it's very simple. A lot of the side quests are... And then you gotta go to the same bandit camp for all the same different quests. Yeah, there's so many bandit camps in that game also. It's like, it's endless. So, so yeah, and um, the Fate of Atlantis biome, it's big, but not big enough that I spent all Sunday just clearing it out. Because I just love the colorfulness mm. of being in it. And it also has teleporters. The enemies have lasers that shoot at you. It's, it's so crazy. It's, 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 it's crazy. It's like There's like statues that then become alive statues that then, if you don't dodge, they're gonna, they, they open their hands and shoot lasers that completely freeze your um, ability meter. So it's, like, it's, 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 it's crazy. So I have to finish the Hades section, which is episode two. And I wonder where they're going to take me in episode three. So, yeah, I'll keep playing that. But enough of what we've been playing, Paul. We got, yes. a, we got a few news, and especially this first one's a little troubling. So, press X. For some news. All right, Paul. So, this one kind of broke after we recorded, and it has just gotten a little yeah. worse. and. It's so packed that I don't think we can really cover it other than just give like a general one. And even if we that. tried to, I don't think we're in the place to yeah. properly state. Exactly. Things. So that's why like we just have to mention. So we talk about Ubisoft a lot about how like recently they're doing some dumb moves. And even last year they were ravaged by the Me Too movement that hit the gaming the gaming community back in June of 2020. Which was long overdue. Yeah, it was, it was long overdue, yeah. So, understand our statement on that side of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So Ubisoft for like the last year in June, they've been the ones that have been facing like legal issues. They were on the news that about like sexual impropriety, harassment in the workplace and all of that. However, there was another company that was even worse that that was that was happening and it was even worse activision blizzard following a two-year investigation that started back in 2019 the freaking state of california has filed a massive lawsuit against uh, activision blizzard over frat boy culture a behemoth of a lawsuit to put it lightly that it could take us just hours to read out loud and some of like the details being raised against the company are truly horrifying like the one that I saw at first, I was like, oh my God, was a situation where harassment, sexual harassment led a woman at, at this company to commit suicide, which is insane. And if all true, this should cause the Activision Blizzard to sweat in a, in a way many company wouldn't. The state of California, not, a, not an independent firm, the freaking state of California went after Activision over uh, over this whole thing. And man, when when you have this, pardon me if I'm wrong, if the state is the one that sues you, you're in a lot of trouble, right? That's not a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I it, it blew my mind just how 
bad it was here to hear like how many people and i think it has about a thousand signatures yeah. for the petition yeah um, that condemned for, the response from uh right. activision blair they they the um the lawsuit was posed and obviously like when you have a lawsuit you have the right to respond and like deliver a statement and and then activision delivered one that said that it mischaracterized the situation and all that it was like disingenuous and then people within the company specifically the people at blizzard that do world of warcraft they were like f that that's so disingenuous this is a problem and they all a thousand people send a signed a letter condemning activision blizzard's response to this lawsuit that's when you know it's serious like very very serious and even former owners of blizzard like mike morheim the the developer the creator of blizzard obviously he's not there anymore but he was like yeah. he didn't shift blame he was like i failed you all people i failed that because you can easily be like you can easily um try to downplay it in, in pr speaking all that but shift blame like yeah, oh shift i blame, like yeah. not there anymore yeah exactly so it's yeah, I wouldn't talk more about this because I feel like, especially with this, I would. I'm gonna link a couple things um, in in the description for the story. Like, there's the Bloomberg a Bloomberg article that detail a lot of the things I've been heard. There's a there's a great YouTuber um, called uh, Richard Hogue. He's actually a lawyer. He does something called virtual legality. He examines a lot of legal stuff in the world of entertainment while also doing normal legal advice. Uh, fine, it's called Hogue Law. And he does long breakdowns. He reads it and tries to put it as objectively as possible, what things meant and all that. I'm going to link that oh. to the story because I feel they're better equipped to see the, to, to put the severity and how terrified Activision Blizzard should be because if, if, especially if they take all of this in court, like especially if they don't settle and they take all this in court and they put all the evidence out there and if the state of california found evidence of this suicide like it's gonna like could this potentially even bring activision blizzard to the brink just in having to pay settlements and penalties all of this it's really it's such a sticky situation it's like i'm glad they're being taken to task i just wish it hadn't come to this point mm -hmm. um for such a reason i would hope that they would uh learn some more propriety from business practices and mm -hmm. people saying hey maybe you shouldn't be so scummy but to the extent that somebody was completing suicide and that there is just such a horrible culture over there that has kept people quiet for so long because um it's like turned sour in your mouth when uh you think about it you know and just knowing that like so many years have passed of nobody being able to deal with this instead mm -hmm. of just having to live silently in uh shame but now finally it's starting to come to light so it's like uh it's not going to fully mean what it needs to as if it had happened when it did but at least it's happening now oh yes and a reckoning needed to happen to this company no matter what and this was me because remember i keep saying what's uh obviously i had mentioned that ubisoft had has slowly become my least favorite company due to the recent moves and not listening to fans and all that but a company i've always hated like i have hated with a passion over the past few years yeah. has been activision 
And I'm now in the sticky situation where to speak with my wallet, should I just boycott at this point? And to that, I'd say it's actually much easier for me to boycott because last year they blueballed me with, oh, we're bringing back Crash. Oh, we're bringing back Tony Hawk. We're not just going to be a Call of Duty machine Mm -hmm. and all that things because I'm just so sick and tired of Call of Duty like in general. That is like, and they have sacrificed so much to just feed that beast. That now knowing all of this, to me, that just makes it so much easier to just ignore them, to not like engage with them. It's right. doesn't my my. It's tricky because my brother, he's such a big Warzone player, like that's all he plays. He goes to competitions and all of that. And how many people are so entrenched with their Call of Duty addiction? Because that's what I said, like. Call of Duty has a hold in so many people that it, it's just what everyone plays. It's like they become tryhards in it and all that. That Could they hear about this horribleness and try to take Activision to heart? And I don't think they can because that game has... Uh... Can you hear that? Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't really hear much. Okay. That, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a blender. Oh, I thought it was a truck driving by. Oh, no. Oh, thank God, no. R.I.P. Vegetable man. Vegetable man, but... Well, they're probably blending vegetables there, so vegetables are still... Vegetable man lives on in the blender. Yeah. Because to me, like... Do you remember what happened to Activision Blizzard two years ago? Hong Um, Kong, The Hong Kong, that Blitzchunk thing? I think so, yeah. They they banned the Hong Kong player from, like, a Hearthstone tournament because... uh, um, he mentioned liberate Hong Kong because of the thing that was happening in Hong Kong, and uh, and then they basically, an American company, at the behest of their of their Chinese investment, basically, silenced this this guy, and yeah. he created such a crap storm of epic proportions back in like late 2019. Like everyone was attacking Activision Blizzard, like everyone was like shaming them for. And, and especially when they try to respond saying that they didn't do that at the behest of um, at the behest of anyone telling them to do that. But it's like, that's obviously BS. Like, especially because Activision more than any other company has like gotten, so, has prostituted itself to appease the Chinese market so they can invest money, like billions of dollars into, in, in, into the company. And and then uh, by the time BlitzCon came out, it came out like, what did Blizzard do? They announced Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2. What happened after that? No one talked about Blitzjump. What will they do to try to like gaslight and try to like smokescreen the fact that they have something that could potentially ruin them with this lawsuit? Especially when you have the state, the, the state that houses your office, your main office coming at you like this. And what will it take for people to just um, put their money where their mouth is and not support this company? To me, like, I'm just, uh, to me personally, I'm just glad that I've gotten so sick and tired of their one franchise. And knowing that they killed, after they basically paid lip service with old games that appeal to me and absorbing those companies to just... uh, do uh to be support studios for established stuff within them is like f them i'm done with activision 
but I don't know about you because I don't know if you really keep playing Warzone with friends and all I that. Because that... um, that's what I was actually going to mention is that it's actually surprisingly easy for me to boycott them because mm -hmm. I just maybe like two weeks ago deleted Cold War um, mm -hmm. and Warzone like at the time out of necessity because of storage space. But it's horrible. Also, it, 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 it's the one. It's the only game that takes so much space. It, out of everything by else. itself it was 221 gigabytes when i deleted it yeah. um and that was a large majority of my ps5's hard drive but mm -hmm. even beyond that i realized that um i don't remember who it was there was this um psychologist that talks about video games and the different ideas of things like executive dysfunction and things like um how certain games are very good for you but certain games really are not and one mm -hmm. of those that he said was that call of duty actually will kind of regress your brain and will cause you yeah. to have the quick um stimulus of like victory 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 if you don't get the victory jump right back in get the next mm -hmm. one and i'm not going to like blanket statement all of this but you get the idea of is there's certain things that just aren't good for you as a growing human and i think that i would rather play certain games that are going to really push me mm -hmm. in either like my strategic use or something or even just to unwind but um that was one reason why i decided to down uh to delete it because it just was I could feel that desire and like six hours would pass and I would get really nothing done mm -hmm. outside of maybe unlocking guns or attachments for the guns and um, it was a uh, monkey brain go burr yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I realized that I needed to stop doing that or I was going to waste all my time and um, funny from a guy that was playing Battlefield last week, mm -hmm. so yeah, but Battlefield is built different. Also, There's a little <laughs> so, different, yeah. And you but, haven't um, been playing Battlefield for a while. Needless to say, um, I decided to kind of cut that off, and I haven't really played anything else from Blizzard in a very long time. Me neither. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't plan to go back to any of it, and now I just have even more of a reason not to. Yeah, I got very late into Overwatch because obviously that was a paid game, and it being a very multiplayer centric game that was that didn't appeal to me it yeah. started appealing when everyone but their mother gave it game of the year in 2016 so i was like literally everyone is giving this stupid game game of the year i'll probably get it in a sale and i got it like on summer 2017 and only yep. played it for like a couple hours i was like i get it this yeah. isn't for me this isn't for me so that was like the last thing i played a blizzard other than diablo 3 back in the day when they released uh the console version that included Reaper of Souls, which was a really good game. Like I like to 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 give credit where credits due. They haven't really released anything like since 2016, so it's not yeah. like I've been in the Blizzard ecosystem for a while. One thing that I'm really thankful you have to remember: Destiny used to be not owned by Activision, but it had its association with Activision. Right. And so they, you dodged a bullet right there. Oof, yeah, <laughs> because imagine if like, especially because Destiny is like. That is my shooter. Yeah. If I want to play a shooter, that's the one I go. And to me, like Destiny is a problem for me that when I get in it, I get in it. Mm. I have to like find other things to get me out of it. And Bungie itself, like they made a long statement about like how they believe these reports and all that, and they condemned the uh, harassment in the workplace and and things like that. And I'm like baller. It, even though you're not part of that, I'm glad that you're still taking a stand.
Yeah, I mean, because a lot of the people that are in there were in there whenever Activision mm-hmm. was over them with their partnership. Exactly. So, so yeah, that would have been, put me in a bit of a pickle if Destiny was still a part of Activision while all of this was happening because then how could I exercise my own boycott of them? Yeah. And um, thankfully, even like to me, like even Black Ops Cold War, that's not a very good game to me personally. The campaign was fine. That's as far as I would go. I don't. I didn't like the zombie mode. The multiplayer I thought was worse than the modern war for one. So I'd agree with that. Okay. So yeah, it's, so it's so much easier to, to walk out of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they weren't able to utilize the new engine anyway, so it was still mm-hmm. on the old battle, uh, Black Ops engine. Exactly. But, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it, and I love the sounds of everything personally because there's something about those gun noises that just do it for me but yeah at the same time i'm kind of glad that i um had started weaning myself off of it anyway Mm -hmm. and i was looking forward to whatever sequel of modern warfare that's going to come out i don't think it's this year it might be next yeah it would it would have to be next year yeah so hopefully i would i would hope yeah exactly i would hope that this year's call of duty game he hasn't even been announced yet Mm -hmm. and I'm making a stand. I'm not buying it myself. If my brother wants to get it, that's on him. But I'm not putting a cent on them. Like, I'm done with this company right now. Yeah. Until whatever results from this, like, creates meaningful change. Like, and from there, like, I don't even know if we even have to keep covering them at all. Like, I wouldn't, I don't want to give them any limelight after this. Like, because by giving them limelight, that's how easy they can gaslight and ignore stuff because. Just remembering what happened with Blixchung and the whole Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2 yeah. situation, it takes just one big announcement for everyone to forget because we live in a very in-the-moment kind of uh, society that one bad news can be like overshadowed by another different kind of news so quickly and yeah. then we forget it happened. That was 2020 for us a lot of the time. So, so yeah. And I keep saying, like, who would have thought in 2021 out of the three main third-party companies, EA would be the one that's like doing everything right. I'm surprised. I'm so surprised. But I was even just thinking about Jedi Fallen Order the other day and just Mm -hmm. like, man, maybe I want to go back and replay it again. Like, they... I'm going to plot on them again. (laughs) When they try, they really do a good job. Yeah. Um, And I'll give them credit words and they better and they kept they better keep riding that positive way because ea just this year with it takes two like topping many people front around their game of the year candidate lists uh rocket arena uh, oh, no, no, uh, or what was it knockout city. No, knockout city yeah rocket okay. arena it was the other the one that failed for them yeah uh knockout city another great one mm. like the continued success of apex lanes even when they try to ruin it with microtransaction galores and all that and i mean the the core gameplay loop is very mm-hmm. positive i mean you talk about monkey brain go burr like <laughs> you've got like 16 17 minutes max but you know the match is going to end within that time and it's a really good self-contained loop it's really easy to jump out and jump back in um and i was talking to you about character design for games that might not you might not vibe with as much, but they did a really good job with that. Um, and even backpacking off of Titanfall's sort of success and mm-hmm. their immediate burial of it, um, it's still succeeding off of that universe. Exactly. So, 
but yeah, it, it's it's so funny, and I'm glad for them because I always thought that EA always had great potential undone by out of the three companies when greed strikes, EA for some reason was the only, always the one step stepping on the rakes, like stepping on one and getting really hit in the not. head that more than the other ones. But thankfully, like Activision is in the worst position possible. Ubisoft is burying its own grave with like the decisions they're taking. Mm-hmm. That I'm just shocked that EA finally gets like gets to comparatively look good They've next got to them. all of the successes so far the last like four or five plus battlefield coming out later this year it's mm-hmm. they, they've slowly started doing and it. especially the thing that they confirmed number two yeah um so but speaking of the, talking about ea like they held their ea play event basically their e3 conference last thursday and amongst many updates of their usual lineup of games so their next sports games, uh, what's coming to Apex, what's uh, what's next for Knockout City, and uh, and detailing more modes for Battlefield 2042 to kind of like justify the price. Like the big highlight for Battlefield 2042 is the portal. Which announced. I can talk about that for yeah. a minute, but I don't know if you want to finish this first. Yeah, yeah no, say 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 the portal thing. Yeah. So yeah, for the portal, um, at first I was very confused about the trailer. I was not really understand what they were doing but the whole idea is they are bringing in the assets of like four different previous games battlefield to 3 you basically two, have like nice. a forge mode in mm-hmm. battlefield to make like era versus era or mm-hmm. like oh they think they said they had um a squad of modern seals versus like a thousand mm-hmm. or a hundred uh germans with the knives and stuff uh-huh. it's like the craziest things you can come up with and easy ways to filter your searches to find crazy new things so it's like even if you get tired of the main battlefield loop mm-hmm. and your usual stuff you can fall back on something wacky like this and they even said they're gonna have like pve modes that you can just have with okay we want ai crews you want to play like re- regular games with the ai in it or do you want to do something crazy i mean we were talking about battlefront 2 not giving you anything more than an arcade mode with Mm -hmm. the ai but this is going to let you play the full battlefield game with ai companions and enemies to shoot and like it's they say for certain things it might lessen your unlocking of certain uh, mm-hmm. attachments and stuff but you're still going to be able to do a lot of these things without having to worry about jumping in and getting crushed by somebody that's way better than you at something you can now probably learn all of your vehicles which was one of the biggest problems in past battlefields mm-hmm. with no way to like train even in like um i think battlefield 4 had like a training mode and mm-hmm. sometimes they'll institute that but for some they just didn't bother with it didn't understand why people wanted to learn um but back on the subject of it is just the idea that you can have this in such a consent uh, like a centralized place is it makes it the ultimate it makes it the ultimate battlefield game and i like... could dare say they could make this work for several years mm-hmm. uh, before moving on to something else because you get not just your futuristic but you get your past wars and stuff and you get all of that within this and not only that like when you give when you have a game that has such a customizable element to it that's how you keep your game alive for years to come why was halo 3 so freaking popular because of forge the forge like having a forge in anything 
it's so important for People like people were the, making D Day in Forge back in the day, and now you're going to be able to go full circle and do it again. And and it's a way to go wacky. That's the thing. Like when you have a customizer, if you don't take yourself so damn seriously, yeah, and you do something that that that, that can be so customizable to the point where you can spend hours of your life just like toying around and creating so many different scenarios, upload that, those scenarios for people to find them and just like on a, ser- on a server list, kind of like Battlefield 4. Right. And do that like, I feel like for all like there was the Bruja House, like why is this just a multiplayer only Battlefield game that only has like seven maps? It doesn't matter because it has all of this other and stuff. And now you can create like whatever you want in this game now. Yeah, so, I love it. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the Battlefield 2042 package got more uh, attractive after that presentation. Yes, and also like it's staying there. Like on the other things that they announced, the important was left at the end. They finally officially announced what we heard rumored a few weeks back in the episode. I had my Peppa Silva moment. Yep, uh, Dead Space is back, officially, back from the dead. Pun intended. Now oh. on yeah, now under the helm uh, of EA Motive, the guys that. Uh, Provided support for Battlefront 2 and other Star Wars games. And also, they were mainly the guys that did Squadrons. Oh, and yeah. uh, and it's coming back in full remake mode. So they confirmed it. Because remember, the rumors is, will this be a remaster, like the well-received Mass Effect Legendary Edition from May? Or will this be a full-on remake? So they want the Resident Evil 2 route. Fully remaking the first game. Which I'm fine with that, honestly. Yeah, here are some of the details that they announced in an interview that they did at IGN, which I'm going to link in the description. Uh, it's going to be made from the ground up. So I think, uh, so yeah, Resident Evil 2 Remake, getting all the assets, but bringing it from, being not, not updating anything, but building everything from scratch. And it's being built by, uh, it's being built on EA's own Frostbite engine, the engine that they use for Battlefront 2, the engine that they use for Battlefield. Uh, and the, the engine they basically do for a lot of which their is games. a solid engine i'll get into that in a little bit <laughs> um the original trilogy was made using visceral's own in-house engine it didn't have a it didn't have a name but they made the technology for that trilogy uh-huh. uh it started getting the new generation of consoles so no ps4 and xbox one goodbye the old gens so this means that they'll target no loading times compared to the original if you played the original dead space <sighs> Yeah. To go through the different areas, you have to like get into a train and then there's a little load that there was a loading time for you to load the next area. So if they can make it more seamless, that's gonna be really cool. Right. They'll include cut content originally planned for the original. So when they were building it and then they had to cut areas to kind of get the game done, so they might add those back in. Mm-hmm. And it will also include more overt references to where the series was headed with Death Space 2 and 3 compared to the standalone nature of the original. So the first game is very standalone. It, it is. does. It doesn't um, like like it. I don't think it. It makes sense why it was standalone. Like they made it as a one-off, not knowing if, if it was gonna hit, and then yeah. obviously they put money into a sequel later. So, so they'll probably include more of that to make it more like. Uh, man, why didn't you shut <laughs> up? And. Uh, yeah there we go (laughs) so yeah so yeah for the series was headed with Death Space 2 and 3 compared to the standalone nature of what I was mentioning so giving more of an idea that there was more planned 
and apparently much more that you can uh, see in an inter- in the interview I didn't make, which I'm going to link. The Frostbite engine thing, um, it's interesting because it will make the game look astonishingly beautiful. But there's been a lot of scuttle, a scuttle about that. The Frostbite engine is a very hard engine to work with when you're not working on a first-person shooter. Like, that's the reason why Anthem and Mass Effect Andromeda failed, because they were built, they were being built on Frostbite, and it didn't have the tools necessary uh, because uh, because they had to build those kind of tools within the Frostbite engine, because that was a, that was a shooter engine. So unless they finally made a way for it to work on third-person, instead of having EA Moto had to build things from the ground. Do you know why, why um, which I'm going to call it, uh, Squadrons was first person? Well, was it because it, it was the Frostbite? Frostbite. Yeah. Oh. It was the only way that they could make that game quickly without yeah. having to rock the boat too much because it needed to remain in first person. Even though there were third person modes in the, it, you can see the ship in third person when you're playing in Battlefield 2. Right. But because they make, but that was just on, on more secluded areas that was more uh, just in the multiplayer side with just very few campaign missions like to in order to not rock the boat much just keep it in first person because that's what frostbite does that space is not going to be a first person game like if they want to like keep it to the spirits of the original one so i would think Dead Space could really utilize the Frostbite engine. The reason being, my theory, is that because there's so few moments in the original Dead Space where you need to see people's faces. Mm-hmm. Um, the few times you do, you just put a lot of work into those moments. And then the whole rest of the time, he's got his mask on. Um, you don't see really too many other humanoid characters um, two has a few more, and then three, it feels like they take their masks off for everything. But mm-hmm. um, the first one was like a very much deadpan, you were an engineer stuck way over your head with all the monsters in there. So I, that's why I think you could really make something work out of that. The environments are second to none um, for Frostbite Engine. Like the ability to get atmospheric um, horror out of it, I think is like the ceiling for that is really high um i i agree that it's going to be a lot of creative challenges they're going to have to overcome with it Mm -hmm. um but i think that it has a lot of the right building blocks Mm -hmm. for something like this if they just have the creativity and the time for this yeah i just hope that they give the this remake the time love and care that it deserves that they don't rush it and they provide and that the people over a dice that work on the frostbite engine gives enough tools to motive to get this right yeah. instead of having to waste time like they like andromeda and anthem lost so much time trying to build the tools they needed they, they needed for that engine because ea didn't want to license any other engine outside what they already owned and that became a problem so i would hold especially because ea seems like they care now that this yeah. is not gonna be a crap job like it like it did, especially the quality of the Mass Effect Legendary Edition itself. Like it could have been so easily pooped out. Like they put some love into that. And they put some love into that, and they didn't put it in a new engine. They allowed it to work with what they had, and they didn't rush it. They let it. That was rumored to come out in twenty twenty. They let it come out in twenty twenty one to get Which, for them. That to, makes sense. 
for them to get it right. And there is nothing wrong, really wrong with it. So, like I said, like EA seems in a better place now. So I'm confident. I'm wondering I'm, what changed with that, but that might be a question for another day. Actually, I, I know what changed. Jedi Fallen Order. That was the inflection point for well them. i was thinking more on the idea of like leadership but i mean they have I the guess same people sense. they have the same president they have the same cfo the same people that have been there are still there it's just they saw the numbers from the heavy single player and went oh wait a minute this because works they saw that they saw that and the critical reception so they were like that's true that gave them the like jedi fallen order was like the first time like a box product of them like became so highly regarded after the last time they had a really highly regarded product was Titanfall 2 in 2016. And then everything that came and they after let that die. Yeah, and exactly they let that die at no fault of the of the game at no fault of the game. Yeah. So they had to go through like hell after what they did. It, it was like a soul for a soul. Oh you let Titanfall 2, you one of the best games of the last generation die at the vine. Because if you're trying to take the word of Call of Duty, well, you have to pay for that. And then 2017 and 2018, like everything they released was dog, was dog crap. Yeah. So I will say they did hit the ball out of the park with Battlefield One. That was a fantastic. Execution. That was be- and that was before and that's what Titanfall. killed Titanfall. Yes, uh, that's that what I was, say, like, that was the same year, wasn't it? I thought that was what the it week came before. out right. Yeah. Okay. Battlefield um, One was that's why that's why I said like the last super great EA yeah. game was Titanfall. Battlefield One. Out there titanfall and then call of duty was like right after yeah so it took them two and a half years of a soul for a soul for karma to catch up to them true and now like they're in a good spot right now hopefully it stays so number three paul how big are you into the um sports arena like very minimally the closest that i get was as a kid of course with madden and then a little bit of 2k basketball um but not much else what are we dealing with today yeah, so you 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 have no pulse in the soccer FIFA no, area. Okay, I, so I respect it, but I know I have no skill in it. <laughs> yeah, and oh yeah. <laughs> so so what what happens is that in the for when it comes to EA sports in the US, FIFA, the soccer or football for everyone that's outside of US, yeah. um it doesn't have the resonance as the other sports, but FIFA is so humongous all over the world. Yeah. outside the u.s and there's always been two competitors in that space so obviously ea's on fifa so. and konami's on pro evolution soccer which i used, have heard of yeah that used to be called winning 11 back in the day before they changed the name to pro evolution soccer huh. so big change is happening to the konami side so they're changing names again for the third time so it went from winning 11 to pro evolution soccer and they're calling it eFootball. and more importantly they're turning it into a free-to-play live service game, which now is that's a, interesting because which is a huge stark contrast to EA's game, where it continues its endless yearly annualization of a full price game. So, like EA is like in the business of every year, it's gonna put a box product that's gonna be full price, that's basically a roster change, and tiny minimal improvements because you can't quite meaningfully improve a game in just one in yearly cycles. So FIFA, for the most part, has always been the most popular of the two, thanks to the uh, thanks to it winning the licensing agreements compared to Pro Evolution Soccer. So whenever you see a soccer match, like in the World Cup and all of that, like there's like FIFA. Sometimes you see a console that's sponsoring. So sometimes it's Xbox or sometimes it's PlayStation. 
and then there's like FIFA uh, monikers that yeah. are the ones that are used in the game. So because of its authenticity to the real thing, that's why people always gravitated mm. towards FIFA. Yet some always make the argument that the gameplay in Pro Evolution Soccer was the better of the two. FIFA, it's a game, probably the game I hate the most in my entire life. I really? Think, because FIFA is so popular down here. That's what everyone almost always had. That was all my friends used to like playing. So you're just I sick of it. I hated it. Because that's the thing. I, not only was I sick of it, I hated playing it because I never liked the gameplay of it. Uh, okay. As someone that values fast response to the buttons I press, nothing would like drive my like turn my hair out, like trying to press the kick button and waiting for a long ass animation to complete for the ball to to yeah, for the ball okay. to go in. I know and, what you're talking about. And then I get like, and sometimes I will make the pass and it wouldn't pass it where I wanted to. So it was like, it required a lot of forgiveness from many people and I don't ever understood it. And from what I understood, I never had pass because FIFA is the one that always was bought here because again, which one's the most popular one? Pass has always been the one that people say it's better because it's so much more responsive. But because it didn't have the licenses, it's not as attractive as the other one. So... This is now interesting because now the PES gets to go into the market as a hey, come try it for free. And they can obviously, and that's the thing like FIFA not only is a full price game, it has Ultimate Team, which is like a card based, uh, the equivalent of you getting, if you collect, if a card collecting game, if you getting packs so you can like put in like mega. Do you remember that? Like card collecting and making like your collection of things and trading cards with people with the ones that you didn't have and all that. A little uh, bit, yeah. Yeah, FIFA would have that and they would make billions of dollars every year. So on top of it being a full price competitor, I wonder if, if eFootball is going to be the one that also pursues that kind of monetization model, but it also has the advantage that it's free to play. So instead of you having to buy the box, it's now yeah. now it's a service game. And I would think that a game like that really benefits from the idea of service. Like of all the things that everyone wants yes. to jump as a service, sports games is this the is one, one of the perfect ones where you just iterate on it, update as it goes, and mm-hmm. like, hey, you want the update? Pay like a little extra, maybe of like the ex, whatever it's called, the um the jump in graphics or however you want to call it maybe but then you just keep kind of playing the core gameplay loop of the mm-hmm. same teams the updated rosters and stuff you could just play that for free if it's always felt weird that they were making you pay a full price for that exactly i wouldn't mind if it was like every year here's a 20 dollar version of this game because yeah. it's a roster update so i think konami found a way to really crack in now because now I think this is going to be a nice test bed to really tell us if live service is actually a good future for sports game. I don't think live service is the future for every game because there's barely any time, but the sports community is very committed to the sports mm-hmm. simulation aspect of their games. So I'm really curious to see if this is going to move the needle for Konami, especially because it seems that slowly Konami is getting back into the game. Like we heard the Bluebird thing that may or may not signify that the, that it confirms Silent Hill's return. Now this, like, they've been quiet for a while, and now they're, like, making some interesting moves. So we'll see where that goes. So now really moving, know. yeah, now moving into a different kind of genre, a different kind of story, 
we are hitting sales milestones for a couple of key franchises, Paul. So first one, let's go into the fighting realm community. So WB and NetherRealm confirmed that their latest entry in the Mortal Kombat series, Mortal Kombat 11, has sold an astonishing 12 million copies to date. With the lifetime with the lifetime sales of the Mortal Kombat franchise reaching a total of seventy three million since the franchise started back in the nineties. Context, according to Nikon analyst Daniel Amad on Twitter, this puts it over other fighting game franchises like Super Smash Bros. that has sixty five point one million, hmm. Tekken, which has fifty one million, and Street Fighter. The one that people would say is the, probably the most popular one, but according to who? 46 yeah. million for Street Fighter. And that's, I guess this is the whole series overall. Yeah, the whole series for all of them. Huh. The entire Tekken series, the entire Street Fighter series, the entire wow. Smash Bros. series. To be fair, like Mortal Kombat has a lot of games. One, two, three, four, Deadly and Alliance. Street and... Fighter's last game, um, technically, I mean... If you count expansions, of course, but um, Street Fighter Five came out like what was it six five, seven years ago? Five years ago, yeah. Five years ago, yeah. And it wasn't well received. It was yeah. a PS4 exclusive, and it launched half baked because they needed it out for the Capcom tour, like the championship tour and all that. So they were like, "We got to release it now for our competition. We're gonna patch things later." And um, and then Street Fighter was dormant for a while. Like after Street Fighter 3, it went dead like years mm-hmm. until like Street Fighter 4 came back in like 2008 on PS3 and 360. So Street Fighter's always been the one that you always see play in tournaments. Obviously, there's, I'm surprised Marvel vs. Capcom is not here. It, yeah. it shows me it's even more niche than I even gave it credit for, despite it being such a staple of Evo and all of that. If you want to check the... Um, Try to find like the overall sales. That's what uh, I was gonna try looking up. Out of curiosity. The fact that they put in here makes me think it's even lower than Street Fighter. So according to this um, video game sales.fandom.com, mm-hmm. it has sixteen titles, Marvel vs. Capcom with nine point nine million sales. What? That's... Only that. That's bad. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I mean, so that kind of makes sense when you really think about it. Um, Marvel vs. Capcom 3 came out in 2010. 11. 2011. 11. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I see that now. Okay. Um, then after that... Infinite. It was just, yeah, it was Infinite, which was a few years ago. But still, like, that's... Even if you count all of those expansions... Apparently, Marvel vs. Capcom 3 wasn't initially received the best either. It, it kind of grew. Ultimate um, was like, where it really, yeah, it received, it, it reviewed respectively. I remember IGN gave it like an 8.5 when it launched. But then uh, it until it became Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, which actually was, I purchased on PS4 because they, they when they announced Infinite, they also announced, announced simultaneously uh Ultimate versus uh, Marvel versus Capcom Three was coming to current gen at the time, so yeah, it's interesting that that the ones that are most popular in like Evo and and all of that. I would almost say that one reason as well is because this was, I mean, Marvel versus Capcom Two was the heyday of a, arcades time, mm-hmm. maybe, and maybe it was wasn't as popular as a home console. Yeah, game. yeah, probably exactly. I think I think you got a point. 
But it also then puts into context that like, how impressive Mortal Kombat is that it has sold 73 million. Which like, I, I will say, though, the fact that they, Mortal Kombat and NetherRealm was able to secure the licensing for so many properties in that last game by itself, um, the, the story mode being surprisingly great, plus mm-hmm. the Aftermath DLC, which added like a whole nother campaign. story campaign as mm-hmm. well. Um, and we're not even talking about Injustice, but I mean, the last... Yeah, like, is Injustice included in this? That's I would say is. not, because that's yeah. Mortal Kombat series, and Injustice isn't uh-huh. considered the same as them. Yeah, even though it's the same engine. <laughs> right, same it's, engine. and it's the same developers, but it's not the same series, so that's why this is actually still... I mean, it's impressive, but I think it's well-earned. I guess people really love their fatalities to own it and just having like a place to showcase the brutality of the fatality. So and it's the only place you can have alien versus spawn, spawn and Rambo and, <laughs> and <Robo> Joker <laughs> and Joker and yeah. the Terminator and like just the freaking crazy amount of like eighties and seventies and nineties era heroes and anti-heroes jumping in on that by the end. Um, like I'm not even a fan of it, and I was like, "Oh shoot, that's really impressive!" Like I would play as them; I'd buy that. Um, if I was like a fighting game person, yeah, I think the whole story mode component of those of those games really makes a difference because these other ones don't have one. I think Tekken does, but even Tekken then, does, like, but it's it's, it's wild all over the place. Um. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's a little weird, but for for sure, and uh, extremely difficult to beat the last boss. But that's also Mortal Kombat's story mode. Oh yeah, I like shock, freaking shock hand. Yep. So as for what NetherRealm will be working on next, uh, they did announce a few weeks back that they're ending the support for new content from MK11. So yeah, as is, it's just gonna remain online with what what's there. So that pretty much signals the move. They're officially moving to the next thing. Here's what's interesting, though. I think they supported Mortal Kombat 11 longer than they usually support. They did. There are other ones because they're always on two-year cycles. It sounds like like it was short, but it was actually much longer. um, Well, a little longer than Mortal Kombat 10. Let's just say that if the usual cycle would have kept, we would have already heard and played the next game coming from after MK11 right now. Because it's usually like, Starting from 2011, that's when Mortal Kombat 9 um, came came out, just as Mortal Kombat. But you knew it was Mortal Kombat 9. Yeah. And two years later, Injustice came out in 2013, and we heard about it in 2012. Then in 2014, we heard about Mortal Kombat X came out in 2015. Then in 2016, we heard Injustice 2 that came out in 2017. Then in 2018, until the Game Awards, that was December, they dropped the Mortal Kombat 11 trailer, and we were playing it on April 2019. Yep. So the Aftermath DLC came out in April 2020. So yeah, we should be... place of an announcement. Yeah, so that makes it... Exci- it makes it exciting because Mortal Kombat 11 was actually really solid. It felt like the perfection of their mm-hmm. formula. So as for what their next project is, one would think Injustice 3 because there's only two Injustice games. Right. But, but there's been rumors yeah. That maybe the next thing they do is going to be in the Marvel realm. That would be awesome. I mean, the somebody said it, it could be even like a Marvel versus DC situation. I think um, that, would, that could work. 
they I mean they're run by WB all they would have to do is get this uh, ability to put Marvel characters in which I mean people have done that before um <laughs> and there was a fighting nine, game and there was a 1990s comic crossover of Marvel and DC also so yeah. it's not like it hasn't happened before so I I don't know if I would want to because that's going to have all of the people coming out of the woodwork going oh you can't have this person beat this other person why can joker beat up superman with a crowbar it's like dude it's a, it's a fighting game, game guys yeah. calm down it's like the same argument that people were having it's like oh you can't have a fighting game with star wars characters because the lightsaber would just beat everything yeah it's like that's, but then if it was a fighting game, we would get masters of Tarascasi again and you don't want that <laughs> we all yeah i agree with that yeah, as well um, that. Yeah. i just want that darth maul game man <laughs> Every yeah. time I think about it every once in a while and I cry. Yeah, the Darth Maul game that was supposed to be like Arkham Asylum. Yeah. That would have been so cool. And man. The... Anyway, I'm going to get What a mismanagement of that old LucasArts before the yeah. Disney position. Yeah. But hey, I mean, at least now we know that we have a lot more availability to put Darth Maul into something because he's now lived all the way up till right before New Hope. So uh, yes. that's something. It used to be just prequels, and it was like, ah, well, they freaking killed him in the first movie. Oh, well. Uh, yeah. But anyway. And at least now, hey, maybe they put him in, in the Ubisoft Star Wars game. Who knows? And <laughs> it's going to be a microtransaction, Paul. Lord. <laughs> and uh, final story, it's also another sales milestone. With close to two months to go for the release of the director's cut. Yeah, it's like in two months. So if like pass our record... We're recording past like when it would launch in two yeah. months. Kojima Productions officially announced that Death Stranding's life-to-date sales on both PS4 and PC combined is a total of 5 million units sold. So first thing, while it's not as staggering a number as what we heard in the last story with Mortal Kombat, uh, Death Stranding selling 5 million is mighty impressive considering it's the first official game of this independent version of Kojima Productions. Remember, Kojima Productions used to be a Konami thing. Kojima left and made its own Kojima Productions. Um, it is a brand new IP in a sea of sequels and it managed to sell despite its incredibly weird, incredibly hard to grasp concept. Like, would you have expected a game like Death Stranding itself, like in its concept to sell? I would dare say um, how many of those 5 million sales returned the game after they beat it or returned it after about 10 hours of playing who knows but hey the sales it doesn't matter counted. it doesn't yeah. matter it doesn't matter like um, when, it, when you sell it sell it uh for context kojima's best-selling game is metal gear solid 5 the phantom pain which released as a cross-generation game for ps3 ps4 360 xbox one and pc back in 2015 and wait it was made for the ps3 and 360 yeah, yeah. i thought only the I thought only Ground Zeroes was made for that. Nope, all of them. Wow. And I've seen videos of the 360 and the PS3 version. It's They're bad. Rough, rough. And um, they sold a total of 7 million units in all those systems. So that's, wow. I think, was close to 2 million. Was 2 million close to the top-selling Kojima game with less platforms distributed. Imagine, right. it had all those platforms in. That's trending with only PS4 and then PC was able to sell 5 million. And it was weirder because it's not Metal Gear. Yeah. Established over years. So that's strange. So this shows that uh, the name Hideo Kojima has resonance enough mm-hmm. 
that people will flock to his next title. Well, it'll depend. It's like depending on how people ultimately feel about that stranding. But I mean, if it managed to sell all of that, it means that the word of mouth is still solid enough for people to still give it a shot. So for a polarizing game like that, 5 million is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. And then as for what Kojima is working on next, after the director's cut release this September, obviously we've been talking about it for a few weeks. It's either the cloud-based game he may potentially do with Microsoft after it, his deal with Stadia fell through, or the and also the ongoing never-ending saga that connects him to the abandoned Blue Balls games fiasco. You're going to trick my brain into thinking the developer studio is called Blue Balls Studio because yeah. <laughs> I, you keep calling it that and I keep like I don't have the alternative put into my head. So I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, that's the, the developer Blue Balls, right? Yes. Um, and then somebody's going to look at me like I will say this. I don't regret calling them that after what they pulled late June. And who knows what that's going to be. But I, yeah. uh, I mean, uh, this week is the preload of the app. But that's not even going to really do anything. Yeah, um, but that's you can't the thing. Get into it. Yeah, the API said it was going to be forty-eight gigs. So let's see if the API is correct. If it's that big, and supposedly it's going to have trailers that are going to be five to twelve minutes long, who else makes trailers that long, Paul? Hideo <laughs> Kojima. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, we're getting close to the end. I can't escape it, Alejandro. Every time I think I'm free, you pull these conspiracies. Yes. Mm. Oh, well, I mean, it's fun. I love the conspiracy. It keeps me alive in the summer. like, it, And it keeps my hate burning. So that's the end of the news for today. At least it's not ending on a downer of a note like X Defiant last week. Amen to that. Yeah. Paul, where can people find you? As always, Alejandro, they can find me at Twitter at Dork of Art. I just posted some new art uh, the other day at YouTube at Dork of Art as well. Posted a small, I think, 13-second silly video on there and at Twitch at AngelSword21. Alejandro, where can they find you? They can find me at twitch.tv slash Giant. They can find me um, on Twitter at A underscore Durosegovia. They can find me in Instagram uh, at Alejandro Segovia 93 and they can find me at thecriticalcorner.com where I write review stuff there. So, what was that last thing that you did, Alejandro? Loki. Yeah, series yes. or season review, I See, guess. See, the season review of Loki. So, and then the next thing on my review will be Skyward Sword when I finally finish it. Let's see uh, if I pick it back. I have to decide if I want to just keep I'm going with Twilight Princess because I'm enjoying it so much, or if I'm going to oh. just jump in and hustle with, uh, with with Skyward because maybe you can even do a retrospective. Maybe, yeah. I, or I'm going to put that hot take in the hot take with Twilight Princess. So mm. maybe. So I know. Hopefully, you finish it too. Maybe we can do like a review discussion of the whole Skyward Sword thing. It might take me a minute, but I plan on getting through it. Yeah, and the good thing there's nothing else right now coming out until like mid August. So. Correct. <laughs> All right, Paul. It's been a pleasure. So remember, until Press. next time. Press X to play. To play. See you guys later. Adios.